Welcome to the Reimagine Mobility Podcast. Stefan Tarnitzer sits down with Rick Mastracchio and Hilary Hansen from Northrop Grumman. Welcome everyone to the latest podcast of our Reimagining Mobility series. I'm here with Hilary and Rick from Northrop Grumman. Uh, very exciting. We're going back to the moon and we're actually now also moving mobility up to the moon. Uh, maybe Hillary, to start out with, give us an idea of what your team and your vision is and what NASA would like us to do here. Thank you, uh, Stefan, for having us on this podcast. We're really looking forward to this conversation. Uh, we have a really great team at as part of the Northrop Grumman Lunar Train Vehicle offering. And that comes from strategic partnerships with teams with automotive leaders like AVL and Michelin, and then also some newer up-and-coming space technology companies such as Intuitive Machines and Lunar Outpost. They're really leading the edge, and we're really fortunate to have all these great partners coming together to take us to the moon. Um, but as you know, you're probably familiar with, AVL is doing a lot of the drivetrain and testing and simulation for um, this vehicle offering. Michelin is designing a cryogenic wheel, twill that will be driving us around the surface of the moon. So really bringing some great technology that's not typical to the NASA realm and bringing those non-traditionals in is really key to um, this team's success. And then bringing, and then we have a little be having some upcoming heritage, lunar heritage with Intuitive Machines. They are an eclipse provider, which is the commercial lunar payload system. So they'll be actually landing on the surface of the moon later this year, early next year. And our other partner, Lunar Outpost, they build small um, rovers that will be doing discrete missions, collecting rock samples and uh, downloading some or understanding the data of what how we uh, plan our paths on the lunar surface and so throughout those CLIPS missions as well. But through that strategic partnership, it's really, in a, it's been a great opportunity to learn from one another and we're really excited. Okay. Thanks for the update. So Rick, I know you and I have talked in the past and you know, when, when we kind of announced internally or maybe to our families, Hey, you know, we're really blessed. We've got chosen by Northrop Grumman, uh, somebody that's super experienced in, let's say, space mobility, right? Uh, and then you and I talked and you told me all these things that, you know, people already do or companies already want to do or already doing today in space. And I've kind of been able to use this because when I say, hey, you know, we're putting a vehicle onto the moon, they're like, oh, cool. Why? Why do we do this? So can you can you highlight a little bit what people already what company commercialization already has started in the moon? What what do people already do or companies already do there? Right. Good question. Uh, NASA has been trying to get industry and commercialization in low Earth orbit. So low Earth orbit is just a few hundred miles above the Earth where the International Space Station kind of orbits the Earth. And there's a lot of commercialization going on board right now on the International Space Station where NASA encourages companies to come up there and develop technologies and new materials or just gee whiz type of things that are developed on the International Space Station and then utilized on the Earth. You know, the best example is new medicines. There's a lot of, a lot of pharmaceutical companies are doing testing of new medicines up there. The example I, I use quite a bit is uh, bacteria grow 
very well in the zero G environment, just for some reason, you end up with these super, super bugs or super bacteria. So if the pharmaceutical companies can develop medicines to fight the, these, these super bacteria in orbit, that's going to help people here on earth. That's just one of many, many examples, mm-hmm. all the way down to, you know, one time I think they flew up a bottle of wine just, just to see what would happen. <laughs> uh, but there's a lot of commercialization going on and NASA is really promoting it. Because NASA's goal is to is to leave low Earth orbit. NASA's goal is to blaze the path with companies like Northrop Grumman and with AVLs helping help we move on to the next uh, challenge, which is in cis lunar space or the lunar surface. And we we leave low Earth orbit to commercialization and other industry partners where where companies like Northrop Grumman can build a commercial space station. We can operate a business. Small companies can operate businesses in low Earth orbit, which is, is starting to happen more and more. Mm-hmm. So, and as that and as that occurs, then NASA wants to see the commercial commercialization of the lunar surface. For example, on our rover, we will have opportunities for commercialization in terms of companies wanting to run experiments or commercial or companies wanting to do promotional uh, sponsorships and things like that. Yes, of the Northrop Grumman team and. You are part of the team that's responsible to make sure all these bits and pieces come together. And as AVL, we have programs all the time with lots of different partners, but we've never gone to the moon. What what do you see as the major challenges bringing these teams together and then obviously overcoming the technical challenges of not just bringing the vehicle to the moon, but also then driving it on the moon? Yeah, so that uh, we've been really fortunate to have such leaders alongside us through as we're developing our technical baseline for our solution. But there's a there are a lot of challenges. Uh, we this NASA, you know, they want to see this last for many years, over a decade, and so through that we have to kind of, we have to look at different op- options for us and our. So we're doing many trades. We're working alongside the partners that are. Technically, the SMEs, the subject matter magic, subject matter experts in those fields, because frankly, we are a we build spacecraft, and that's where we're bringing in those partners that understand the Michelin team, understanding wheel technology and that tire and wheel integration. That's not something that our engineer, our team of engineers, understands fully. Um, same with AVLs, leading you know technology and simulation testing. So really leaning in on those um, subject matter matter experts. Mm-hmm. Or do you have anything to add to that or challenges wise that you see or see? Yeah, I think you you touched on uh, several of the challenges. The, you know, the engineering challenges are just the environment. It's actually it, it, it's not obvious, but operating a spacecraft in, in a zero G environment, we know how to do that very, very well. Operating a spacecraft on the surface of the moon is actually hasn't been done in 50 years. And so we have some learning to do. And it's actually a pretty rough environment. It's a dirty environment because of the dust. And it's a very, very cold environment because you're so far away from Earth. So it's the environmental challenges are huge. And our engineers are going to have to work hard to figure that out. So you're bringing up a good point. I mean, besides besides the temperature, right? And again, generally, the the environment on, on the moon uh, for the battery, for example, the battery technology that the EVLs bring into to the team, amongst other things, battery technology, battery cell technology, chemistry is obviously a big topic and something that uh, is, is, is a heavy focus here, what we have to focus on. But 
what are some other things, Rick, from, from going to space that, that you foresee when it comes to technology for something, as, as Hillary mentioned, needs to be up there for a decade, do you foresee as, as major challenges as well, besides batteries? Um, I, I think, yeah, batteries are big. Um, so there's a lot of robotic operations. So this, so let's step back a little bit, what this rover is going to be. This rover is meant to, to carry two, two crew members in their spacesuits. We'll drive this rover around, much like we've seen uh, uh, from the old uh, Apollo missions in the early 70s. It'll be just like that in that aspect. But when the crew is not on the surface, which the crew may be on the surface only a couple of weeks a year, say for example, when the crew's not on the surface, this is a this is a science platform. So this rover is gonna autonomously and remotely control to drive around the surface of the moon and perform science and exploration. So the robotics involved and the autonomy involved are that are certainly going to in a, a GPS denied environment. In other words, we don't have these nice navigation sensors beaming us uh, great data like we're used to here on Earth. Yeah. That's going to be a huge uh, advance in, in technology, uh, handling all the dust. You know, the dust on the surface of the moon is like little shards of glass. And it, it's very sharp and gets into everything and can destroy mechanisms. Just learning how to operate in that environment is going to be huge. Mm. And then um, the other big thing is really, I think, is related to the batteries is just staying alive on the mm -hmm. for the for the spacecraft, this vehicle, to stay alive on the south pole of the moon. Basically, the sunlight comes at at you at ninety degree angles, and that means a hill that is only you know, a rock that is five feet tall might cast a shadow for a mile or miles and miles. So now imagine if you're running around on the on the surface of the moon and you need sunlight to charge your batteries. Okay, you got to make sure that something's not block, blocking your sun, uh, blocking your, uh, your your solar arrays. Yeah. So just the the, tech, not the 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 experience we get just operating on the moon and learning to live a, a vehicle living on that moon and then crew operating on that moon is going to be huge. Like I said. Lower orbit, we know how to do it. It's almost easy today, but we got a lot to learn on the surface of the moon. Right. Yeah, there will be a lot of new technology development during the Apollo era. There's so much new technology that was developed, being like microwaves, uh, GPS, many things. So there's looking forward to how this will better the missions will better our life here on Earth as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's certainly very interesting. I mean, you know, just recently, right, lots of announcement done for mobility on the ground for autonomous vehicles that, hey, challenging the, the industry, you've spent, you know, billions and billions of dollars. And some believe we haven't really gotten much closer to really have truly autonomous vehicles uh, driving around. But to your point, Rick, on Earth, we have GPS and we are with some systems, highly accurate GPS up to centimeters, right? And on the moon now, we don't. So, and then we also always talk when it comes to electric mobility, the infrastructure, right? Everybody's worried about, you don't have charging capability and all these things. So you bringing up, you know, we're gonna charge ourselves maybe with solar panels, but oh, by the way, here's a rock, we may not have enough sun. Hillary, can you tell me a little bit, of, or maybe Rick as well, what about the infrastructure? We're talking about the vehicle. That itself is going to be a tremendous challenge. 
But I think both our companies and all our partners, they, they thrive on challenges. So I think from that perspective, and all the engineers, they're so giddy, they're ready to get going, right? And have been. But what, what about the infrastructure that's that's going to be around the, the vehicle? So there's many different pieces of the Artemis um, cult, uh, base camp that will eventually grow into. And some of that will be power. There's many... Um, avenues and there's a fission surface power capability. And then there's also a LVSAT, which is basically armed up uh, solar panels that will, you know, you can kind of chart plug in and charge. So mm-hmm. we're under, we're learning what those surface capabilities will be, but there's other options as well in the future. Rick, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, infrastructure is the glue that holds all these things together. And I think NASA, as well as industry, are struggling with, it's kind of, in my mind, it's kind of a chicken and the egg thing. Do I go and put all the infrastructure in, and then the habitats and the rovers and the people show up? Or do I send a few people and a few rovers and a little habitat there and then build up the infrastructure around it? there's no right answer. Mm-hmm. You know, there's lots of ways to, to do things. There's no right way. There's lots of wrong ways, but there's there's no one right way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think NASA, NASA recognizes this and industry recognizes this. And as Hillary says, people are working on so many different vehicles. You know, landing on the moon is just not one spacecraft launching from Earth and landing on the moon and bringing you home. Landing on the moon now is a series of spacecrafts. It's, it's, it's habitats, it's capsules launching, it's vehicles landing, it's rovers on the surface, it's habitats on the surface, it's communication systems, power systems. All these systems have to be developed. Some of them, many of them are already under development, and the rest of them have to continue to be developed over the next 10 years, 20 years as, as time goes on. But it's going to be a little bit of a mixed bag. You're going to get some vehicles that are going to go there without the support of infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And then eventually the infrastructure will be there. And maybe it's a little easier on a rover because it could pull up and yeah. plug in and charge up to a nice, uh, you know, uh, electric vehicle charging station. That's probably a little ways away, but that would be nice. It'd make our life a lot easier if there was a charging station up there. <laughs> it's sure the vision. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, going back to, I think, Hillary, you pointed out to, to simulation before, right? Simulation for us in, in the, let's say, mobility on the ground, right, for ships, for trains, for on-road vehicles, off-road vehicles, heavy-duty trucks, et cetera, has become really the one of the key enablers to push technology forward, right? We're talking electric vehicles, mm-hmm. um, certainly hybrid vehicles a few years before that. Uh, hydrogen-based or propulsion systems based on hydrogen and fuel cells, but space and certainly uh, air, but certainly space, simulation even more important, right? Because we can't just, what we sort of do with vehicles, put some software into this thing and then, oh, you know what, we got to do a software update. Oh, yeah, I'll make a recall, bring the vehicle back, we fix it. Probably not going to make our customer happy if we do this, right? So, Talk a little bit about simulation and then maybe after that, Hillary, maybe Rick, can you give us a comparison of what, how much simulation do you remember when you went to space and how much that has changed over the years? Yeah, so definitely that human in the loop is a necessary need for that training capability. And that's, so that's, you guys are a leader in that 
realm. And what we're, we actually do have a, a VR system that has path planning waypoints laid out that helps us understand exactly where the vehicle needs to go as we're um, trying to cut, you know, chase the, the shadows away and stay in the sun. Cause that's yeah. the, we gotta be a night rider at some point. Uh, and just keep, keep on the path um, of way forward. But that's, that is very crucial because a lot of that is going into those path planning activities so that we can properly plan ahead of, okay, we have this amount of time in this um, path forward before it, we get in the dark and then need to potentially recharge or use some other, you know, going forward uh -huh. motion. So Rick, maybe what, again, we've talked about some of these things and you told me about your training and all these things and right. certainly how technology back then is far different what it is today. But simulation, can you give us a little bit of an idea? What was simulation used for? How critical was it? How much was it relied on back then? And what do you yeah. see today, right? Sure. Uh, so I was an astronaut for 20 years and obviously I did lots and lots of simulation. And, and, and Hillary touched on some of it. There's all different flavors of simulators. There's the, uh, you know, the computer simulators, which are more popular now. But, you know, 25, 30 years ago, simulators had to be basically were mock-ups or low fidelity versions. Like we would, we had an old robotic arm that was actually a physical robotic arm that we would swing around in this big building. And then they kind of went away from that big physical arm to a computer generated arm. And now they're at virtual reality. And we use that for practice EVAs where we would put on a helmet and gloves and we would crawl around outside the space station. And just like a crew member has to, has to train and use a simulation to train, a spacecraft uses simulation to, to test itself and evaluate it because the environment is very is, is so far away. We can't go up to the moon and test drive our, our lunar rover before we send it to the moon. It's, 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 it doesn't make sense, right? So you have to do simulations. So as you know, we're doing a lot of testing uh, in that dusty, dirty environment of components and pieces and things like that. We have to do a lot more of that. As Hillary says, we're doing uh, computer-based virtual reality simulations. You guys at AVL are going to be heavily involved in doing a lot of simulations of the drivetrain and the wheels and, and uh, the capabilities that you folks have is just is just mind blowing to me, and I'm very impressed by all of that, and look forward to seeing some of that very specific results for our lunar rover. It's just so many different layers of that, and even in the the contract, some of the deliveries to NASA, which we just received mm -hmm. the request for proposal yesterday. There's a lot of simulators and mockups, so we're going to have to build a training mockup for the crew, one that just sits still one that is underwater so they could practice it with spacewalks, one that they're going to drive around the desert, and, and et cetera, et cetera. There's a whole series of them that we have to give and provide to NASA as part of this contract, uh, different types of simulators. So simulators are a huge part of getting prepared um, to, whether it's a vehicle or a person flying in space, simulators are a huge part of that. Yeah. yeah, it's critical to crew training. And then also we have that autonomous element as well. So it helps with our planning as mission planning overall. Yeah. 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 I mean, if we have to test a vehicle in the in the in the desert somewhere, I sign up. If they want me to go to the moon to test it, sorry, Rick, I probably won't. So 
But um, maybe final question, what do you look mostly forward to? I mean, I look forward to, and Hiller, you kind of pointed on how all these different technologies come, come together. And then we kind of see that step from ground to air to space mobility, that vehicle then being on the on the moon, right? And and how new technologies that will certainly, I would assume, make mobility in the air and on the ground so much more reliable because what we're learning in the harshest of the harshest environments, which is the moon compared with all the other ones. But what are you, Hillary, looking forward to? And maybe then to wrap it up, Rick, what are you looking forward to in this in this whole program? Maybe the process or at the end or, or what piece? Yeah, this, the technology is great, but honestly, I'm looking forward to August 2028 when this is supposed to launch, <laughs> and hope and looking forward to seeing the Northrop Grumman, you know, vehicle and team together and the success of the program overall. But the technology is going to be so revolutionary to our day to day life just here on Earth, and I mean, I'm already seeing it that as we're talking with the different various partners, the stuff that they're developing. I mean, the Michelin team, their t- wheel technology, it's going to impact, you know, terrestrial t- tires as well. We're learning so much. And so the data that we will get back from the lunar rovers will be so impactful here mm-hmm. on Earth as well. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe Rick. Yeah, I, I mean, I certainly look forward to the day that this rover is is running around the moon, and that was that's it's going to be certainly exciting. But you know, I, I've learned to try to enjoy the journey too. You know, as I'm because I'm so old now that you know, getting the award from NASA hopefully sometime next year that will be exciting and of course it'll also be scary because now you have to go build what you say you're going to go now we have to do it right yeah mm-hmm. now you got to go do yeah. it you know, careful what you ask for i've learned that lesson many times <laughs> um, but then and then just developing it though this is going to be fun to test this even the smallest components that will get the fun then we'll start to build it bigger and bigger until we actually have a rover out in the desert and we're over there driving it around saying this thing is great, you know? And so I look forward to all of that all along the way. Yeah. Um, yeah the best part's going to be when we see this thing on the moon driving around and we see the AVL and the Northrop Grumman names all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely going to be very cool. Well, thank you very much, Hillary. Appreciate your time. Rick, great talking to you again. Yeah. And thanks everyone for tuning in. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to Reimagine Mobility Podcast. If you liked this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend.